morning, everyone. It is great to be here with you today. Um, and I've got some incredibly exciting news this morning that I can't wait to share with you today. You know, as I was researching for this message, I began to study, you know, all the signs of the end times. Exciting, right? You know, and as you know, one day Jesus is coming back. I'm sure some of you are with me today when I say that you cannot wait for the day that Jesus returns, right? And it's going to be an exciting time. Now, after careful study and research of all the hints and signs outlined in the Bible, I have finally done it. You know, I've figured it out the day and the time that Jesus is returning. It is tonight at 6 p.m., all right? So, I'm just kidding, you know? <laughs> the Bible literally tells us that we will not know when that will happen. But, you know, that's what we do as humans. We want to know. We don't like to be left in the unknown. So we do what we do, and we get down to, you know, trying to figure it out somehow. You know, there's got to be an answer, you know, somehow, some way, and we're going to find out no matter what. We just have to know. You know, we've seen this play out, you know, time and time again. You know, all these doomsday end times or Jesus returning prophecies that seemingly pop up annually. You know, somebody's got a new book as to why, you know, the pandemic brought about the end times or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, this country is fighting this country and that's why Jesus is coming back next year, right? And so, you know, if we go back, you know, to 1914 and, you know, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, Charles Taze Russell, he predicted that Jesus would return that year. Well, obviously that didn't happen. Then we move along to 1936 and then the founder of the Worldwide Church of God, Herbert W. Armstrong, he predicted the second coming that year. And well, when that didn't pan out, he changed the date three more times to 1943, 72, and then 75 because that was going to be the one. And well, we're still here. So, <laughs> and then, you know, we go back to 1999 and I'm sure some of you remember it. I was only three years old at that time, or sorry, I was two years old at that time, but, and uh, all eyes, they were on Australia because there were all these doomsday predictions that rolled in about what came to be known as Y2K. You know, all the computers, they were going to crash when it flipped over to 2000 because apparently they couldn't handle that big a number or something like that. But we're still here. And then, you know, you hear about the infamous 2012 doomsday, you know, that was in all of our lifetimes. And, you know, everyone thought that the world was going to end because it was the end of the Mayan calendar, despite the fact that they never actually put in, you know, leap years or anything, and that would have been years ago. But anyways, that never happened. And then most recently, you know, a prophecy that came from this guy named Harold Camping. You know, he was the president of the Family Radio Network. And he predicted that on May 21st, 2011, at precisely 6 p.m., a series of rolling earthquakes that happened to follow the time zones. So I really appreciate that, you know, Jesus thought of the time zones there. Um, but that they would roll through the world as the time started switching over to 6 p.m. around the world. And the rapture would start and the end of the world came. And so all these people, they were gathering over in California. They flew in, they quit their jobs, they sold everything. And then it didn't happen. And that must have been a little disappointing for those people. And then, of course, he simply changed the date to October 21st because he just got the calculations a little bit wrong. And uh, that didn't happen either. But uh, this is what we do. You know, we have to predict and we have to figure it out. You know, I've had way too many conversations where someone asked the question, you know, do you think Jesus is going to return in our lifetime? 
You know, like how many of you have either asked or been asked that question? Probably a lot of us here today. And every generation thinks that it's in their lifetime that Jesus is going to return. You know, every pastor, every street preacher with a sign, every mom, dad, aunt, uncle, and grandparent in the church has said that he is coming soon. You know, even though the Bible tells us that we won't know when he's coming back. It should still give us this sense of urgency. And that's what we're going to explore today as we turn to the word in Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 to 51. It says this, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for how you speak to us through it. And Father, I pray that today that as we read it, that you would just illuminate this scripture, that Father, you would give us understanding and that you would just speak to each and every one of us today and that you would convict our hearts and our minds and that you would just be honored today. Amen. So we have this comparison between the faithful and the wicked or the bad servant. Now, when it comes to the bad servant, the greatest deception is that they believe that they have time. You know, I've heard people say when talking about faith that one day they will accept Jesus, but they're just not quite ready to give up the life they're living right now. You know, sometime down the road, you know, I've been living, I've been doing all my things. There's so many things on my bucket list that I just got to get in. Sounds so much, like so much fun. And then, you know, when maybe I'm 45, you know, that's when I'll accept Jesus. And that's kind of their mindset. Of course, the issue with that is that we have no idea when our time is going to be up here on earth. We do not know when Jesus is coming back. You know, many of us have probably heard the quote, you know, live every day as if it is your last because someday it will be. We all tend to love that quote until it comes to our faith. You know, we want to live every day as if it's our last when it comes to our passions, our hobbies, our friendships, but rarely do we do the same when it comes to living out our faith, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and loving as Jesus loved us. Like if we knew that Jesus was coming back tonight, would you go out and would you share the gospel with all of your friends and family who are not saved today? Chances are you would probably think about doing that and you probably would. You know, this goes for both the believer and the unbeliever. The unbeliever, they sit under the delusion that they have the time to live as they want to live to reject the word of God and give in to the desires of the flesh. And then one day, when they're finally content with living out every desire, they'll turn back to God. And the believer, on the other hand, that believes they have time, begins to neglect getting into the word, spending time in the presence of God and growing in their relationship with their heavenly father. You know, they also don't realize a sense of urgency in spreading the gospel. They believe that Others will do it for them, 
or that maybe one day they'll get there, but make no effort to actually practice that in the first place. On the other hand, we have, you know, the good and the faithful servant. The good and the faithful servant is one who recognizes the urgency of the situation. Not knowing the time or the date of Jesus' return spurs them on to action. You know, they ready themselves by preparing for his return. They hold fast to what God has called them to do through his word, and they strive to follow the example set by Jesus. Verse 42 starts out saying, Therefore, keep watch. You know, typically when you hear keep watch, you'd probably picture somebody either standing, you know, on top of a castle, you know, looking out and keeping watch over, you know, the land, just make sure nobody's attacking. Or, you know, more modern times, you might just picture somebody at the door waiting for a guest to arrive. But to keep it, but to keep watch, you know, that is not a passive phrase. You know, you're not being called to simply wait around for Jesus to return. If you were to have guests over to, uh, sorry, if you were to have guests over to your house for a meal, chances are you're not going to be standing at the door for hours on end. No, you're going to be inside. You're going to be cooking up a storm. You're going to be cleaning up the house as if nobody had ever lived there before because you want to make sure that your house is ready, right? Like most of us do that when people are coming. We've got to get it ready and prepare for the people that are coming. We need to make sure that we're not just standing at the window waiting for Jesus. We need to keep watch by stewarding what he's given us. The good and the faithful servant recognizes what the master has given them. All the giftings that they have, the maturity in their faith, maybe the financial provision that he's given them, maybe the influence that he's placed on their life and other people's lives. You know, with everything that they've been given, the good and the faithful servant knows to use it to the best of their ability to honor God. They seek out the Holy Spirit's direction on what to do, and then they do it. As we've seen in verse 46, Jesus says that the good servant is blessed because when the master comes, he is found doing what he was told to do. The servant was ready to give an account of what he had done when the master appeared. Jesus were to come today, would you and I be found faithfully obeying what he has called us to do? You know, I really hope so because we will have to give an account to him of how we've lived. The interesting thing too is that we see in verse 47 that the good servant is actually rewarded. It says, truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. This reward that he talks about lines up with passages that we see in Matthew chapter 5, 10 to 12, and then in 16, 24 to 27, where it says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets were before you. And in chapter 16, it says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. There's this theme that runs through each of these passages, including the parable of the faithful servant, and that is a denial of self. 
denial of what we want and what our hearts want, and living selflessly out of interest for God first and then others. And this is probably one of the hardest things to do because as humans, we of course think first about ourselves. You know, what is best for me? What benefits me? You know, am I going to give up my time? Am I going to give up my resources? Am I going to give up, you know, what God has given me? And that is the hardest decision to make. But in all of these passages, what it continually points to is this denial of self and to live first for God and then others. And a good and a faithful servant is one who looks at all the rewards and comforts that this world can offer and knows that they pale in comparison to the heavenly rewards that are to come. Now, on the other hand, the wicked servant shows their faithlessness by their lack of trust that the master will return. You know, notice in verse 48 that the evil servant says, in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And in verse 50, we see that he is not looking for his master's return at all. His faithlessness is seen in a lack of commitment to the task his master has given him. You know, not only does he not properly look at those entrusted to his care, he mistreats them horribly. In verse 49, we are told that he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards. This description shows a life of carelessness about the master's priorities, which most notably concerns the care of their fellow servants. He's like the person who claims to love the Lord, but who does not love his brother. As the, Apostle Paul, or as the Apostle John warns us, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? In other words, that person is a hypocrite, which is exactly what Jesus tells us about the wicked servant in verse 51, when he says that the evil servant... Um, will have his portion with the hypocrites. This is a person who claims to be a true servant of the master, but in reality, they're not. And the actions of his life demonstrate that. We have to check our hearts and our minds and make sure that none of those traits make their way in. And a question that I'd encourage you to think about and one that I, I wanna be asking myself often is, is my life reflective of one that's stewarding what God's given me well in preparation for Jesus' return? Or in another sense, is my life lining up more with the good or the bad servant? And I think all of us have to do a bit of a heart check too because oftentimes we'll, you know, associate ourselves with, you know, the good and the faithful servant. And that's all good and well, except for the fact that we're human and we have human desires and we have, you know, desires of the flesh that sometimes they're not gonna line up well with what God talks about when he's talking about the good and the faithful servant. And we have to do that heart check. And that's something that I really want to ask myself often. You know, am I lining up with the bad servant or am I lining up with the good servant? And just kind of do an evaluation of what is going on in my life. And beyond that, I want to make sure that I have a sense of urgency. And I hope that you do too, because one day Jesus is going to return. And that's not something that's going to, you know, you know, be announced all over social media, all over the news, you know, all over CNN and Fox and, you know, all these different news sites. But that is going to come as a surprise to all of us. You know, the word says that he comes, he will come like a thief in the night. And really, you're not prepared for that. And so when he does come, I want to make sure that I'm prepared in that moment for his return, because I want to make sure that all my friends, all my family, all the people that come across my life, that I am actually pouring into their lives. I'm actually allowing God to speak through me. I'm actually sharing the gospel with the people around me because Jesus is coming soon. We don't know when, but Jesus is coming soon. And that's not something 
to wait about. That's not something to put on hold. That's not something, you know, to, you know, maybe we'll wait till next year. You know, maybe, maybe I'll wait until, you know, my friend comes along or maybe I'll wait until they seem a little more open to that conversation. No, like, choose to do that today. Choose to go to the Holy Spirit and ask for wisdom and direction. Choose to go to the Holy Spirit and ask for the right words to speak uh, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your family, and do it with a sense of urgency because we're not meant to be apathetic in our faith. We're not meant to, you know, just warm a chair on a Sunday morning. And, you know, I'm inspired by some of you in, you know, the house today because I know that there are some of you that are incredible with your evangelistic giftings. And it's amazing to watch. You know, two people off the top of my head are Jack and uh, Jide, who literally just welcome people in and talk to them about their faith and bring people to Christ. And that is amazing to see. And that is not just for people with those giftings because God is going to place you in unique situations, in unique conversations that he's gonna open up in your life, in your spaces of influence where only you will be able to reach those people. And so in those moments, again, act with a sense of urgency. I'm gonna invite Adam and, the, uh, and Sarah, I guess, not the band, but Adam and Sarah to come to the stage. Um, and I just want to ask you the question today. Would you be ready if you came in this moment? Would you be ready? Would you, do, would you have done all that you wanted to do in your faith if Jesus was here today? Would you be ready to answer for what you've done in your life? And the good thing is, is that when we look at, you know, all these end times things and it talks about, you know, weeping, gnashing of teeth and all this stuff and we're like, oh my gosh, like this is kind of scary. This is a little frightening at the end. And we're like, Oh, like, I don't really know about this. And then, you know, people talk about, you know, scaring people into faith. Like, that is not what this is meant to be. That is never what this is meant to be about. Because what we actually have is, yeah, you know what? Jesus is coming soon. And yeah, he is going to judge people. But he created a plan for us. He created a plan for each and every one of us that no matter who came to him and no matter what background they had, no matter you know, how many mistakes or how many sins were in their life, that they could come to him and they could experience that freedom and they could ex- receive salvation from Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross and what he did through the grave. And that's available to each and every one of you today. And that's available to each and every one of you online. It doesn't matter where you are, that is available for you because we have an eternal hope. And that is something to look forward to. That is something we can take joy in. When we talk about the sense of urgency, that's something to get excited about because Jesus is coming back. Because we have a hope. No matter the trouble that we go through here on earth, we have Jesus that is returning. We have a hope of a brighter future. We have a hope of, you know, a new heaven and a new earth where there is no pain, where there is no suffering. And we have that. And I'd hope that you'd want that, you know, for your friends, for your families, for your coworkers as well. And just know that God is able to use you, that God is able to speak through you. Never doubt that. Because in the moments when I feel the smallest, God is the biggest. So in the moments when I make myself less, God is more. It's not about elevating ourselves. It's not about being able to speak on a stage. It's not about, you know, having all these incredible giftings. It's not about, you know, being able to be the worship leader or, you know, have those evangelistic giftings necessarily. It's just about having a willing heart. One where you go to God and you ask, yeah, you know what? 
Am I preparing well? Am I prepared for when you come back? And Lord, please use me. Please use everything that I have, everything that you've given me, and allow me to be used by you to bring people home to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for how you speak to us. I thank you so much for the fact that you are returned, that we have an eternal hope, that, you know, there's nothing that is able to stop us from reaching you. And Father, I pray that each and every one here today, you know, I pray against any doubts that there are, any doubts about, you know, their insecurities, any doubts about, you know, their giftings, about their abilities, about being able to be used by you. And Father, I pray that each and every person here today would feel confident going to you and asking you to use them. Because Father, we don't do this alone. We don't do this as individuals. You know, this isn't just meant for people with certain giftings or people on the stage or people, you know, that, you know, serve week to week. You know, this is every day. This is everyone that comes through these doors. This is every believer, every follower of Jesus. You use them. And Father, I pray today that we'd be bold enough to go to you, to do a bit of a heart check, to ask you to convict us and then to ask you to send us out. Father, I pray for miracles to happen. Father, I pray for people that felt too far gone. I pray that they would come home to you. Father, I pray that there would be rejoicing in heaven because people received you. People received the free gift of salvation. And Father, I pray that we would take hope in that. That we take hope in you, take hope in the second coming, take hope in the fact that, yeah, there is urgency, but it's because there is so much hope, because you are returning. So Father, use us today. Don't let us get in front of ourselves, Father. I pray that each of us would become less and that you would become more. So use us. May we be willing. May you be glorified in all that we do. Amen.